Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. It's that time of year. Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day. All Souls Day traditions often remember the deceased in various ways, including prayer, intercessions, and visits to cemeteries. One cemetery in particular has created a lifeline to the dead via a wind phone, W-I-N-D, wind phone. A wind phone is an unconnected telephone where visitors can hold one-way conversations with deceased loved ones. Isn't that a nice idea? One cemetery offering this comforting, calming, rewarding touchstone to our beloved deceased is the historic Oakwood Cemetery in Raleigh, North Carolina. But listen, there's many of these phones around the world. So even if you don't live in North Carolina, chances are there is one of these wind phone connections near you. But for today, let's talk about Oakwood Cemetery. The cemetery itself has a storied history, and here to tell us about that history and the evolution of the wind phone is Robin Simonton, Executive Director of the Historic Oakwood Cemetery. Welcome, Robin. Hi. Thanks for being here. We're excited about this topic and to learn more about Historic Oakwood Cemetery. So before we get into the wind phone, what can you tell us about the historic uh, history of this cemetery? Well, Oakwood Cemetery is 153 years old. Um, It has been the final resting place and continues to be for generations of folks from Raleigh and around Raleigh. Um, Seven governors are buried here. Um, All kinds of notables like uh, Lorenzo Charles from NC State, uh, J.D. Lewis, who hosted um, his show Teenage Frolics, uh, I think seven years before Soul Train aired. So the first African-American TV host and and folks that are famous only to their families. Um, But the cemetery is a garden or Victorian style cemetery, which means it has an intentional landscape. Um, of rolling hills and curving roads and beautiful trees. It was designed to be a place for the living as much as the dead. I mean, in fact, it predates Pullen Park. So this is a place where folks from across Raleigh would come and socialize and go on dates and things like that from its earliest days. Wait a minute. Repeat that last sentence. (laughs) (laughs) They would go on dates? (laughs) Right. So the couples would court out here. It was a very popular place to go on for horse and carriage rides, um, and to take strolls, perhaps with a chaperone, um, through the cemetery, um, and it it was just the place to be. There were no other social centers, so the cemetery 
in its earliest days was definitely the social center. We saw that again during the pandemic where there was nowhere else for folks to really go. And so we had an uptick um, in outside visitors, people that would walk or, or jog or stroll with their friends. Um, and it made us feel like, oh, this is what it must have been like in the beginning. In fact, in the very beginning, we had so many people come through here that we had an admissions booth in oh, our okay. early days for the first few decades where you, um, if you weren't coming to visit family, you had to purchase a ticket um, as a pass to come through to kind of control horses, horse and carriage traffic and pedestrians. Oh, my goodness. This is a story in itself before you even get to the wind phone. I had no idea. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's fabulous. That must be where uh, you I, you have a, a, a moniker of, uh, of sorts here, a cemetery full of life. And I guess that's maybe what that refers to. Definitely. It does refer to those very early days, but also today. You know, if you were to have driven into Oakwood Cemetery today, you would have seen volunteers cleaning headstones with the DAR. You would have had a you would have seen a class from NC State Lifelong Learning, 25 folks in our House of Memory taking a history class. They take a six-week class out here every fall called Discovering the Dead. So there are so many activities and programs that we are a cemetery full of life besides just the neighborhood folks and the state employees that walk through here. I mean, it is, um, on any given day, it is so busy. Besides our, obviously, our, our whole purpose, which is to bury folks and to support our families. We have a, we have a lot of different personas here at Oakwood Cemetery. Um, and it is, it is very lively. Um, this time of year, especially, we see a lot of private nighttime tours, some public nighttime tours. Burning Coal Theater was just here a couple weeks ago, interpreting the lives of seven folks that are buried here for a theater production. Um, we are never dull, and it is never quiet here, except perhaps sometimes at night. Hmm, very interesting. Now, uh, if you're not from Raleigh, are you, like, what's the deal as far as being allowed to be buried there? Do you have to be a member or something, or just be a Raleigh resident, or... Can None anyone? of the above. Yeah. Anybody can be buried here. The cemetery is a private nonprofit, which is how cemeteries of our age um, were created, chartered by the state of North Carolina as a nonprofit cemetery. Um, there are no um, requirements to be buried here. In fact, we bury people from all walks of life, all um, religions, all races. We have um, you know, cremation burial options. We actually have a green burial going on right now, one of those natural burials with the, with the um, deceased in a pine box and unembalmed. Um, there's all, um, there is no requirement um, other than the fact that your family or you want to be here at Oakwood. All right, so we're going to get into the wind phone now, which is just another great feature of the uh, cemetery. But before we do that, can you tell us a little about the uh, the origin of the wind phone? Way back to Japan, I guess, right? Right. Um, it was in. It was a gentleman in Japan created the wind phone for himself in his own garden just a year or two before that horrible tsunami hit Japan, you know, a little over a decade ago, I guess now. Um, he had lost his cousin um, and he felt far away from his cousin. And so he built this phone in a little phone box and began to go outside to his garden and intentionally telephone his cousin. There was a little phone in there and that is how he would talk to him, kind of talking to him on the wind, right? It's a wind phone. Um, there's no dial tone. It is just the way that I think we have, we struggle with how to grieve. And this was how this gentleman grieved. He needed to do something intentional. 
Um, then fast forward a few months or maybe a year and the tsunami hits Japan um, and unfortunately, you know, destroys many villages, including schools where children were never seen or heard from again because of those waves. The people in that community where that gentleman had built his wind phone began to show up at his wind phone to call their children mm. and to call those they had lost in that tsunami. So that starts a tsunami of its own where folks from around the country and around the world start to build their own wind phones in a variety of different places. But it's that idea of being able to intentionally call and talk to your loved one. Again, grief is hard. We have sanitized death so much, especially in America, um, just as death has evolved in terms of funeral homes being used and dying in hospitals. Um, and death is hard. So we let we pay someone to help us through that. Um, but it doesn't mean in your most private or saddest moments, you have someone to walk you through the grief. Uh, and so the wind phone gives folks and gave folks in Japan who were so devastated by this loss of life an opportunity to um, to call their loved one. That is very impactful. You know, I would assume it offers some type of closure for those folks, too. You know, I hope it does. I think that um, in Japan they found, you know, people would go back and go back over and over again to call Um I think for some folks, it's the closest they feel to their loved one, mm -hmm. um, especially in Japan where there were no bodies um, that came back. A lot of people weren't found. Um, so they didn't have that closure of being able to have a funeral and um, or a cremation based on you know their culture. Um, and so I think that they did offer closure for those families. Mm -hmm. I hope so. You know, and it always seems to be, it starts with one person. You know, this was one person who did this and then influenced so many other lives. And now they are all over the world. So, again, we're talking about Oakwood Cemetery in Raleigh, North Carolina, but there may be this available wherever you live, um, for sure, really. Okay, so let's talk about how this got to be at Oakwood, though. We, we hear the story of Japan. You know, how did it come to be at Oakwood? When was it installed? And just how did it all come to be there? So I um, have always been in intrigued by this story. Um, I thought I, I read a book about the tsunami and the families that were affected. Um, and I, I really was moved by it. Um, and in the back of my mind, I always wondered if it was could be something that we could have. But I wasn't so sure how it would work here. Um, and so it's just one of those ideas I tucked away, right? Um, and then I saw that perhaps it was a cemetery in Australia had built one maybe early in the summer this year. And I sent it on. I have a, a great program team here. And I sent it on to my photographer in residence. And I said, what do you think? I think we could pull this off. And he said, you know, I think it's a great idea. And again, I tucked it away. And then something popped up, you know, where I saw um, a gentleman that I know from who works at the state archives was building some type of box for a, a cemetery neighbor. And I thought that's who should build my wind phone. So I contacted Ian Dunn from the North Carolina state archives. And I said, would you build this for me? And I sent him a picture and he was like, yes, and I'll make it better than that. Um, and a few weeks later he said, would you mind if it was Oak? And I was like, no, it needs to be Oak. That's a great idea. It never would have occurred to me. Um, and so we had it built and um and it and we 
put it out um, close to the office so I could see it, but not so that I would stalk people, but just so that we could keep an eye on it, not knowing what to expect with it. Um, and it, maybe two months ago, it went out and I said nothing. I wanted to see if anybody noticed it, um, if anyone asked us what it was. And I, I was sorely disappointed. No one really said anything to me about it. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. Um, but I didn't, you know, issue a press release. I didn't do anything about that. I wanted folks to find it who needed to find it. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, advertise this kind of sentimental thing. I'm, I'm very sentimental and I'm very sentimental about death um, and grief. And so I thought, you know, someone will find it and know what it is and it will help them. Um, and then ironically, um, I had like a really successful genealogical find in my own family. And that may sound like so what, but I spent a lot of time doing research of Oakwood Cemetery's families. I don't often do research on my own family, but I was raised in, um, by a family. By a I had a grandmother that loved, that loved genealogy, um, loved it. And so I, did, I had a research opportunity that I discovered stuff about my family. And I immediately walked to that our cemetery's wind phone and I called my grandmother. Mm. Um, and I sent a picture. I, I t put a picture on my own personal Facebook page and tagged my cousin who was successfully, um, you know, who, who was enjoying this genealogical research with me. And I said, don't you wish we could call our own family right now and tell them? Um, and then, you know. I guess because I put it on social media, but not on the cemeteries page, people began to discover it. Um, and it, it's a beautiful wind phone. It, um, like I said, Oakwood, we put a little sign up with the QR code that takes you to a poem about the wind phone um, and explains, you know, what, how you may want to use it. Um, and we have seen such a, and heard of such amazing stories of folks coming and using our wind phone. So it was, let me stop really you nice. there. Let me stop you there for a minute because I, I want to get to some of the reactions you received in a little bit, but I want to go back to the, um, and you described it pretty well already, but some of these wind phones, they actually look like the old time phone booths, if anybody remembers those. I mean, you, you know, it's a little, it, it's like enclosed, it has the door, you can, you know, it just... It, I mean, for the younger folks, you're just going to have to Google it, <laughs> but I guess they're not around anymore, but there used to be these little box enclosures where you walked in and you stood there and closed the door behind you and you had a phone in there and there was no such thing as a cell phone. So that's how people called from the road, so to speak. And so I've seen those like that, but you're saying yours is is not enclosed, right? No, oh, correct. Ours is not enclosed. It's on like a three or four foot tall wooden um, pillar, pole, whatever. Um, and it's a little pine box that has a little roof and um, just has the phone sitting in it. So it's not enclosed. It doesn't have an open, like a, one of those old timey glass doors for a phone booth. It doesn't even have a little door to protect the phone itself from the elements. It's just a, a pretty little pine, a little pretty little oak box with the little roof. Um, and it and it's but it's enclosed in its own way by the landscaping around it. There's some nice shrubs and plantings around it. So you feel like you're in a booth mm -hmm. when you go to use it because you're you're somewhat protected um, from um, from, you know, folks being able to see you necessarily. OK, so if I came around, you know, and I just kind of saw that I would assume it was a a phone to 
you know, if you don't know this history, you could assume it's a phone for maybe the groundskeepers. It was a phone for like, okay, if you have an emergency, is there anything on it that indicates besides having to go to the QR code that, you know, you just come across this and there's a sign that says something on it? Well, so the sign with the QR code does briefly explain what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does, um, it now does have a little bit of a signage. Yes, it takes you to the QR code, but it it tells you enough information that you um, either know what it is or need to look up more info, but there's a little bit of information there. Okay. So where is it located in the cemetery? So it's not very far in Oakwood Cemetery at all. If you, you know, come in off the main gate off of Oakwood Avenue, you go down that beautiful, curvy, windy road entrance. Um, it's just past the first right turn on the right-hand side, very close to Grassy Branch Creek um, in the cemetery. And is there anything particular folks need to know before they go? Um, well, it's really important to know that it's only available during um, the time our gates are open. So 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., seven days a week or um, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. once time changes in a few weeks. Um, But, you know, it's there for everyone to use. And we ask that folks use it gently so that it can be used by uh, many more people to come. So for someone who has a loved one buried in a different cemetery than Oakwood, uh, but need this outlet, could they still come to Oakwood and use the wind foam? Of course, you do not have to have any connection to Oakwood Cemetery um, to come and make a phone call. Okay, that's good to know. Now, I'd like you to share some of the memorable reactions by users that come in and have used the wind phone at Oakwood Cemetery. Could you tell us a, a couple uh, couple of those stories? Sure. I'm going to start with my own experience because I think people are like, really, did you put this in? You know, are you going to use it? Well, like I said, I did use it, but the greatest gift to use it for me was to actually, and to actually enter a number in the phone, a number, my grandmother's number who died in 1997. I had not dialed that number since mm-hmm. her death. And to actually put the number in the phone was really a gift, a very cathartic. You don't realize, I mean, today we don't ever dial numbers, right? We mm-hmm. just hit the, on your know, whatever on your cell phone. But back then, you know, you would hit the numbers on the phone and there was something about it, just being able to remember mm-hmm. that was really key. But so we put it in, you know, not, not much happening. And then once um, it was written about in the local newspaper, I think talked about on the news, folks began to come in and some folks, you know, didn't want to come in and ask. I think they felt, you know, maybe a little uncomfortable. Um, And so the Friday of that, of that hurricane that came through Raleigh, it's a downpour out here. And I see this pickup truck driving around and around the cemetery. And I was like, I don't know what they need. I should go out and ask. And then I see that they have located the wind phone. And I see that they, I can't really see who they are, but I see that they go out um, and use the phone. And then they come and see me after they're done. About 20 minutes later, they're completely drenched. They come to my office. Mm. And it turns out to be like a 10-year-old girl and her mother. Mm. And the mom says, can you please explain to my daughter why there's no dial tone? Something I hadn't thought of. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain this. Um, but I did say to her that whoever, you know, you were, that they were calling did not need a dial tone for them to be communicated with. And the mother said the cutest thing. She said, my parents are buried here in the cemetery. And when I found out about this wind phone, I told my daughter we had to go and try it. But I also told her that when we called them not to be surprised if when they answered the phone, they were yelling at each other. <laughs> 
because that is how they communicate it. <laughs> she chuckled. I didn't ask if they were yelling when they answered. The phone. <laughs> Good idea. No, right. Um, and then ironically, my friend said to me a couple days later, hey, I saw someone using your wind phone on Facebook. I was like, oh, that's kind of voyeuristic. I don't really know, you know, who it was. And she showed me this video and it was that mother and daughter and they had filmed it and put it on their Facebook page. Mm. And it was really sweet to see how excited they were to make the call. Um, last week, two ladies, two adults came in with each individually having a list in their hand and they were going to go and call people. Mm. Um, it just, you know, the idea of it was soothing to them that they had people they wanted to reach out to. And this was a way to do it. Um, somebody who went and used the phone came back and said to me afterwards, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable necessarily standing at someone's grave or sitting in a pew at church. I don't, I didn't really know how to talk to them, but this phone helps me in a way that she never thought she would um, have comfort in speaking to someone who mm -hmm. has, who has left. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the very first people I ever saw using it um, were, um, it was a Saturday, I was, I had driven in here for work, I saw a young woman at the phone and four perhaps friends, I don't know, standing about 10-15 feet away from her, like side by side, and they were just watching her. I don't know if they were in line to use the phone next. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or I was going to say, is there a line? <laughs> I know. I <laughs> Maybe like, you wow, have to you know? take up Maybe that ticket <laughs> idea once again, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, it you know, but it, I see that it gets some love every day. Folks are um, driving in or calling and asking where, how they can find it. Um, and you and said it was I mean, where it's off the main road near. It's off the main road in the cemetery. You're, you'll pull right in and then there'll be like a T intersection. If you don't turn right at that T and you cross over that intersection, it's just on the right hand side. And you mentioned, so, uh, you mentioned something earlier and I, I missed it like Creek or something. Yeah, so it's right on the other side of Grassy Branch, which is a creek that runs through the cemetery. Grassy Branch. Okay. All righty. I just wanted to get that out there one more time for everybody listening. Um, so are there any plans to, to, to build another wind phone station because it has become so popular? Um, I think that we probably won't build another, but we are working on additional landscaping with some Japanese plants to pay homage to um, the original wind phone. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, this is really something certainly that could offer peace in these days when peace is hard to find. So thank Definitely. you so much for doing this and being on the show today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I, I, I hope that it provides comfort, even if it provides comfort for just one person, then it's done what we've hoped it to do. Absolutely. Certainly, certainly a bridge between life and death, these wind phones. Okay, so now we are out of time and it's time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today's pocket, become a friend to a stranger. <laughs>